This is the EWN Podcast Network. Do you know how often identity theft occurs? Every two seconds, affecting even children. The great news is that you and your loved ones don't have to become the next victim. In the Cyber Mindful with Sandra podcast, we'll explore together simple practices that increase the cyber safety of you, your family, and your business. I'm your host, Sandra Esto, and I believe the key to protecting yourself from hackers, scammers, and cyber monsters is rooted in being fully present, both online and offline. This podcast is a conversation among friends. I'm delighted that you are choosing to take charge of your cyber safety because you deserve to have peace of mind online and protect what matters most to you. So let's do this together. Welcome to another episode of the Cyber Mindful with Sandra. Have you, have you think about your first times, like the first time you kissed someone, the first time you drove a car, the first time that you danced with somebody, the first time for everything. I think somehow first time stake in your memory, in your cells. And, and I don't know about you, but for me, I cannot forget ever the first time that I saw a live musical event. That was one of the times of my life. And I am just super excited, grateful for today because our guest is an amazing, amazing person. You're going to love it. I know I'm, I'm just, I, I, I just bear with me um, while I breathe and I just read a little bit about who is in the house today. In the house with us is James Barber. James is an award-winning Broadway star and international concert artist. He's an author, a producer, and James is considered one of the most sought-after performance on Broadway. He's on the A-list of actors asked to develop new works for the industry-leading writers and composers, including Sir Elton John, Bernie Topping, Frank Wilhorn and Christopher Durand, just to name a few. Now, James played the title role in the Broadway production, The Phantom of the Opera. I love that musical. I just... ah. So that is who is in today with us, James Barber. James, welcome to our podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here. Now, James. How, how did, so tell us your story. I mean, I want to know, how did you start singing? What, what was your first thing that you did as a boy that get you to be a performer and, and, you know, have the career that you just incredibly created for you? Nothing actually. Uh, I I didn't start (laughs) singing until much later. So my, my trajectory was not that, well, you know, I don't know what's traditional in terms of a performer or an actor. Um, I liked many things. Um, uh, Mm -hmm. there's a phrase called a polymath, which is somebody who, uh, has a proclivity to do multiple things. And that was always me. I loved learning. I loved diving into different Mm -hmm. projects. 
And the short story about it is that I wanted to be an architect, an archaeologist, an oceanographer, an astronaut. I wanted to be all of these different things. <laughs> and I realized later on uh, that as an actor, I could actually do that. I could become mm. these things, learn about them, and then move on to something else and learn about them and move on to something else. Because for me, it's about knowledge. It's about journey. It's about discovery. And so yeah. I, um, I started doing shows um, just primarily because my sister did them and I was around it. Uh -huh. So I just did it. And when I was in high school, I was like, oh, this is cool. And I played sports as well, but I wasn't like, you know, I wasn't the quarterback of the football team. And uh, a lot of these kids that I grew up with had been playing sports since they were six years old, playing football since they were yeah. eight. Um, yeah. my, uh, my, I played a lot of baseball. I played a lot of tennis, things that you could do by yourself. Like I could throw a ball against a wall, I could hit and then go and get the ball. Playing tennis was easy because I could, you know, hit a ball against a wall. Um, so I did some sports. I did, uh, I did that plus theater. And then I realized that as an actor, I could become all of these things. And when I got to college, I, I went to school for acting and, um, mm -hmm. really fell in love with Shakespeare. And I fell in love with the great classics, Eugene O'Neill, Tennessee mm. Williams, and, uh, the American classics. Yep. And when I got to New York, I realized that doing, uh, Lysander in a Midsummer Night's Dream didn't pay as much as playing Cornelius in Hello Dolly, musicals versus straight mm -hmm. plays. Um, yeah, exactly. And I had student loans, so I uh, <laughs> okay. I just again because I followed my sister around, she sang, and I just make fun of her and imitate her voice, and that's how I started singing and um, fell in literally fell into musicals and um, started doing musicals, which led to my first Broadway national tour in 1992, which was The Secret Garden. And then um, it sort of mm -hmm. happened from there. That's that's the trajectory. Wow. Yeah, you know, it's so amazing how you didn't plan for it. But yeah, you first of all, you have the talent for it because mm -hmm. I have, you know, I heard you singing and you have tremendous pipes. Yeah. God bless you with all of that. And, um, but you also, you know, the, 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 um, the relationship that you have with your sister and you talk about her, you know, a couple of times, how she inspired you, um, is, is, it, I, I love that part because sometimes the role models in our lives can make such an impact. Would you, would you think? Yeah. I mean, it, it you know, my sister and I are, are pretty close. It, it, it wasn't like she encouraged me just to be clear. Mm -hmm. It was for me, I was just around it. Like my dad worked out of town Monday through Friday. He was only home on the weekends. So my mother would drag yeah. me to all of her classes or dance classes or singing classes, all this stuff that when she would do shows and I would just sit there. And so I would glean this information mm -hmm. and it, it looked fun to me. It looked like, Hey, this is kind of fun. Ah. Um, The thing is, though, when you do it there, like when I decided to do it, I became focused. I became laser focused on, okay, if this is what I'm going to mm -hmm. do, it's a really competitive industry. Uh, I need to, mm -hmm. I need to be focused on it. In retrospect, I wish I'd become more focused because there were things that distracted me. There were life things that, mm -hmm. um, I think had I, had I had more, um, 
a, a more clear path or a more clear, not even path, an understanding of what it is that I wanted mm -hmm. exactly, um, I would have either gotten there faster or achieved something different uh, in the industry. So, yeah, yeah go ahead. Mm -hmm. No, no, go ahead, finish. I'm so sorry. role models are great. I mean, you need them. You need people to look up to. You need coaches. You need, mm -hmm. well, you don't yeah. need them. I, I, I like them um, because what a coach does, whether it's a business coach or in my, you know, I mean, I have business coaches. I have people that I work with. Um, that are not mm -hmm. in the entertainment industry because I do a lot outside the entertainment industry. Um, yeah. But it gives you an objective viewpoint because so often you can become mired in your own perspective and not mm -hmm. see what is sitting in front of you. You know, you're, you're blinded by whatever is around you or some problem or some issue. And with a coach... Your own limitations, yeah. right? Too. Or what you perceive as your own limitations because I really don't think we yeah. have them. I think we put those limitations on yeah. ourselves. And, the perception. Yeah, and I think mm -hmm. that surrounding yourself with the right people is certainly um, really important. I wrote this book over COVID and in it, I talk mm -hmm. about, you know, if you have a dream and a goal, your goal mm -hmm. is only achievable if you actually do something to get there. Just mm -hmm. sitting there with a dream. A dream is only a dream. It's only a thought. Yeah. Is there energy in thought? Sure. But you have to take action. And surrounding yourself with the right people, because if there is anybody in your life that says, like, specifically artists, you know, because it's a it's a volatile industry. It's not a sustainable industry. It's a lot of mm -hmm. a lot of crap, actually. It is a sustainable industry if you do it properly. Uh, but mm -hmm. anybody who tells you you can't, I would go, why are they saying that? You know, why are they saying mm -hmm. that I shouldn't go after this, this dream, this thing that I have? Mm -hmm. And so for me, having those mentors and having those people around you that are going, you can, how can I help you? I believe in you. That's yeah. what's important in my world. Yeah, I, I definitely am with you. I, I believe in the power of mentorship and, and the power of always learning. I think when you... You know, the, the more we learn, the more we educate, the more that we are open, the more things happen yeah. to us and for us. So, and I love that. Now, James, I know the reason, you know, of course you're amazing and I wanted to have you in my, in my podcast for sure. But what you just said a few minutes ago, the word distractions, mm. I mean, and this is, you know, cyber mindful with Sandra, we talk about cybersecurity, technology, but we also talk about distractions and how today we're so distracted and you just glimpse about distractions. So give me your perspective of, you know, the distractions that you have faced and how that, you know, that changed you or, or, or those around mm -hmm. you and how the distractions in the today world we live in continue to affect us and what can we do about it? Yeah, look, there are multiple distractions that can come mm -hmm. into your life. There's familiar mm -hmm. distractions if you're having relationship issues, if you're having, you know, problems with a business partner. There's the news. I don't watch the news. I mean, to me, that is a mm -hmm. massive distraction. One network is mm -hmm. saying X, one X network is saying Y. They're completely opposite. Where's the truth? Like, is it true? What? It can't, they can't mm -hmm. both be true um, mm -hmm. and probably somewhere in the middle. So I, I think the news is a massive distraction. Um, mm -hmm. So I don't watch it. I know what's going on all the time. I, I just see it. I hear it. I learn it. 
But what mm -hmm. I do is I, I investigate for myself. So I just don't mm -hmm. take, you know, this news story and go, oh, that's fact. You know, if I look exactly. at it and I go, mm -hmm. oh, that's interesting. And if it's something I really want to learn about, I'll actually go and research it. Usually mm -hmm. it just comes in one ear and goes out the other in terms of like the impact it has on me um, mm -hmm. because it's a distraction. So I would say mm -hmm. turn off the news because it's mostly negative. If you're feeding on negative, mm -hmm. you're going to live negative. Uh, the other mm -hmm. distraction is negative people, negative influences around you. So that can be family. It could be a spouse. Look, you can have your best friend. As I said earlier, mm -hmm. if anybody's saying anything other than how can I help or I see what you're going through, uh, and, and understandably, someone may have a misconception, like in the, you know, the world of the artists, you know, a parent may be like, hey, listen, you shouldn't go there, become a doctor. And then if you sit down and explain to them why you want to do this, if they're still pushing you, pushing you, pushing you, pushing you, it's a really tough thing to do. But if you actually explain mm -hmm. to them and say, look, I've done my research. This is what's in my soul, my heart. This is what's, this is what makes me happy. If they say yeah. anything other than, hey, look, I was just doing my best to look out for you. I see what you want to do. How can I help? Then mm -hmm. I would think twice about having them in your inner circle. And it's a tough, it is a tough thing, mm -hmm. right? Specifically for some people mm -hmm. who, you know, if they're yeah. family. So what kind of distractions did I run into? I ran into the noise of the entertainment industry early on. It's, um, you know, it's, it's an interesting world. Well, I guess the world is interesting. You know, I went, you know, I came out of high school, then went to college, and it was kind of like, whoa, this is a new world. And now you're thrown in the middle of New York City. Um, different yeah. world. You know, I'm walking down the street, and there are crack pipes laying on the street. You know, there are people shooting up on the corner, you know. Were you in a small town before New York? Um, it wasn't a small town, but uh, my, you know, like, I didn't walk out of my apartment and see some guy shooting crack between his toes. You know? Yeah. It was mm -hmm. a, it's a nice suburb in southern New Jersey outside of Philadelphia. Um, Okay. And I went to school in, on Long Island. So I was familiar with the hustle and bustle. It was just a different yeah. reality. You know? yeah. um, and I didn't know what a crack pipe was. I didn't, you know, I didn't do drugs. And so I would see these little mm -hmm. things, not even crack pipe. It would be a, like little vials. And I'm like, what is that? And I would mm -hmm. see them all around. And finally, like after months, I asked a buddy of mine, what is it? He goes, oh, it's a vial. Of, it's a used vial of crack. I'm like, what? How do you know that? Right. And he goes, yeah, wow. you see the different color tops? I'm like, yeah. He goes, those are from different dealers. I'm like, how do you know that? Like, those wow. are the Like, that's on the street where I was living, on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. Mm -hmm. Now, I mean, it's, I'm sure you still see it. When I moved to Manhattan, you didn't want to live in that neighborhood. Now, you know, you can't, you can't rent a place for under $5,000 a month, you know, a studio apartment in that mm. neighborhood. So those are distractions. How do you pay your bills? How do you pay your rent, mm -hmm. your finances? They're all legitimate, sometimes distractions. So mm -hmm. having a plan and having a core group of people that help you. Um, I do a lot of like reflection on myself. Like where is it that I want to go? Um, a mm -hmm. lot of responsibility. Like I'm sure you've heard it. Like you point a finger of accusation at somebody and you got, you know, three fingers pointing back at yourself. <laughs> like, you're responsible. Yeah, okay. It's really me. Um, yep. So I don't know if that answers your question, but um, I think that that's how I see it. I try to remove as many mm -hmm. distractions as possible. 
Uh, I try to create mm-hmm. time. And, you know, mm-hmm. people talk about, oh, I don't have a lot of time. I'm running out of time. Well, well why are you mm-hmm. running out of time? I, I look at things in my life. My wife and I talk about it all the time. We'll, we'll get into a discussion and it'll just mm-hmm. start going. And we realize, like, we've just spent 25 minutes talking about something yep. that wasn't really a problem that we, we just yep. agreed. And then we spent like, we could have gone and taken a cool walk during that time, you know? So creating time, getting back that 25 yep. minutes of time that you can have with your spouse or with your career or with whatever, or with your children. Um, that's what I do. Yeah. That's so profound. Yeah. That's so, so good because if you think about time is, you know, the only thing you cannot get back, right. like you can get back your money, you can get back, you know, yeah. you lose your health, you can get it back. But time, once it's gone, it's gone. Like you're not going to live today, any other day in your right. life. And we just, yeah, it's, it's, I, I love, um, I used to do the Alexander mm. technique and I had a teacher, of course, you as an actor, I'm pretty sure you're super familiar yeah, with yeah. it. And he used to tell me so much, I have time, I have time. And I repeated that over and over during my day. And the, the, the funny thing, James, is I start with the, the days where I was more busy. I was in a hurry. When I start repeating myself, I have time. I actually had time yeah. to get things done. You know, there, there, there comes a, in- like people get stressed and certainly I did, mm-hmm. you know, early on in my career. Mm-hmm. I, my spiritual belief is that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, whatever you believe, like, I I think this is a shell, right? Mm -hmm. And this is here for this time. But when I think about, I've got to get it done. I've got to get it done. I've got to get it done. This task, there's so much pressure and stress to get it done that it actually takes more time to get it done than if you're going, just get it done. I don't, I don't think anymore. I don't put the pressure on myself to get it done. Talk about distractions. This was one. I used to compare myself to other performers in my industry and where they were. Mm-hmm. Oh, they've had more success or I've had more success. Mm-hmm. Then I had success and a guy that was in the, like I was starring in a show and the guy that was in the ensemble of the show then became a movie star. I was like, well, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. I was the star of this Broadway show. This guy was in the chorus. Now he's a movie star? Wait, how, how, what? Why am I, you know, putting that undue pressure mm-hmm. on yourself. So- yeah. Time. Time is a man-made concept, really. The only reason we see time is because of creation decay. You know, something is born and it Mm -hmm. decays. If we didn't see that Mm -hmm. cycle, if we didn't see a tree Mm -hmm. dropping its leaves, if we didn't see wood rotting, if we didn't see a bird dying or our bodies getting older, time, what is time? You know? Mm -hmm. So if we create time, if we think about it that way, we can create anything we want within that time that kind of doesn't exist. I mean, if, really, if you think about it, like, why, why a year? Like, how mathematically does it work? Why can't our lifespan mm-hmm. just be a year? Like, from birth to body death, why does it have to be X number of years? Why do we count the time? Mm-hmm. You know, there's some people mm-hmm. that don't even know how old they are, you know? Pretty interesting. Sorry, I'm going off on these it's weird pretty- topics. No, I love I love those those topics. I I you know, time is definitely one that fascinates yeah. me, and I think the the more the more aware we are, 
of the present moment and the more where we are, where we are, the more we can enjoy. Yeah. And and I think that's 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 what I'm all For about. Sure. Now, from your from your perspective, and we we when we met, you talk about communication mm. and how you evolve your voice and the talent that you have in in a in that industry as an actor you know, actor right. and performer, but now you went into another area. Talk about that, yeah. please. And, and so, and like, yeah, sure. So, mm -hmm. you know, business, right. If you're mm -hmm. a business owner or you work for a business, the realization is that for me as a performer, I am my brand, right? I am the iPhone. Yeah. But what's happening is that I am selling me as a product, as a performer. I'm going into a room, I'm auditioning, I'm singing, I'm on the stage. I have to sell the audience logistically on the fact that I am that character or some other character, and they have to believe it, truthfully. Mm. And when I look at business, I look at anybody in any sort of business, any business, even if you're a teacher, you are your brand. So you're representing mm -hmm. your brand. You may be teaching a certain you know, math or English or social studies or science or, you know, finance or business or marketing. You have to be the face of your brand. And I, I had the good fortune to speak at the first and second 10X Growth Con. I spoke on the ClickFunnels stage. And what I realized, and they're all wonderful friends and incredibly dynamic people. But as I was listening to communication, I realized that there can be an enhancement. Because I've spent mm -hmm. the past 40 plus years on stage in front of live audiences in front of over 200 million people. And I mean, it's increased since we did this statistic. But there is, wow. a, there is a certain, um, there's a certain acumen. There's a certain thing that I've learned by being on stage, being comfortable in front of people, being comfortable on a microphone. You know, it, there's just the repetition of doing that over and over and over again in effective communication. So what started happening was these high level CEOs and business people and real estate people and network marketers, they would come up to me after these events and say, Hey, can you help me with my communication? Can you help me with my story? Mm. Can you help me develop and structure how my talk is going to be? Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, I can actually. And so helping people effectively communicate to the audience, to their client base, mm -hmm. to their customer base, to their employees, so that what they're saying enhances that yep. which they're working on. It raises up the audience. And if you're pitching from the stage or if you're selling from the stage, it, it allows the audience to trust you, to become interested in you, and to become invested in you so that at the end you can say, hey, listen, this is the thing that I want to offer you to help you, to raise your business, mm -hmm. to raise you as a person, to whatever it is. And so effective communication is vital. It's vital in relationships, spouse, spousal relationships, friendships, children. And mm -hmm. so it is mm -hmm. something that I have um, really uh, taken a deep dive into. And I love doing it because the creation of an effect and helping other mm -hmm. people. Imagine if you're speaking and you're the CEO of a company or you're a network marketer and you've got this massive downline or you want to build a downline. If you can effectively mm -hmm. communicate how what you're doing is going to help them, you're mm -hmm. going to have clients for days. So how do we develop that, James? Like, what would be the three things that you will tell someone that is listening right now and really wants to start 
making an impactful communication. Contact me. <laughs> that's, um, of course, it's going to happen because we're going to have all your details in the yeah, show yeah, notes no, and you're going to know how to contact kidding, James to go further. But No, um, I, I was joking. What, really what it is. I yeah. know you are. <laughs> Preparation. Preparation. Right? So you have to prepare. You have to know what, mm-hmm. let's say you're telling, you have a 15 minute slot and you're speaking, right? And an event. Mm-hmm. You have to know what you're saying. And it has to have a beginning, mm-hmm. middle, and end. Just like any movie, any play, any story, right? A beginning, yep. middle, and end. And it has to have something that is a conflict, some sort of thing that you're overcoming. I lost everything I had. Everybody's got some conflict. You certainly have an amazing story, Sandra. You know, what have you, you overcome? I did this. I thought it was going here and I hit this wall. And then I got through it yeah. by doing X, Y, and Z. And I, and I exploded and, and, I, and I had success. So you have to have that preparation of story. And preparation also is not just story. It's preparation of knowing what your material is. Um, the persistence of actually drilling your material so well, mm-hmm. not memorizing it, not by, ru- I mean, you can, some people do. Uh, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not opposed to memorization. Where I'm opposed is by rote memorization. So you're on a stage and you start saying something like, instead of being like, Hey, so when I was 15, I had this thing happen to me. Instead of going, hey, when I was 15, I had this thing happen to me. And it sounds like you're reading it and you're remembering it. Mm-hmm. Memorization mm-hmm. is fine, but it has to become part of you. And the reason it has to become yeah. part of you is because it's your story. And when it becomes part of you mm-hmm. and you start relating it in a natural way that is you, the audience begins to yeah. trust you. So yeah. preparation is a huge it's 99.9%, I think. Nine, let's say 90% of the game. 5% okay. is the practicing and doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it. And the only way, and there are many ways to do that. If you're not going to be on a stage, then you get in front of a mirror. You set up your camera, your iPhone, and you do it to the iPhone again and again yep. and again and again. And then you watch it and you watch it and you watch it. You can invite some friends and say, hey, look, I'm going to do this. And you do it again and again and again. What it does is it breaks the ice, number one. Number two, you're going to have people who may go, well, that sucked. I want your honest feedback. That sucked. And here's the key thing. You need to be like Teflon. Because if they said, you know, (laughs) it sucked or I didn't get it, you go, hey, wait a minute. Don't tell me it sucked. Tell me what I need to change. Tell me what didn't impact you. And, you know, that practice is huge. And then the actual doingness of it, you know, when, when you're, when you're getting booked on a stage or, or getting on a podcast Mm -hmm. or a webinar or something like that. So, um, I would say the three things are preparation, preparation, preparation. That makes sense. Fantastic. I mean, I I love it. And I think, you know, you touch when you talk about preparation, you said something about, you know, when you share that story and it's personal, people trust yeah. you, people believe you, people uh, connect with yeah. you. And I think, in, in, you know, in my world, in the world of cyber, I, that's exactly what I always say. We, we don't share our stories and we don't talk about what happened. Yeah. You know, whether you get hacked, you get scammed, you get this, because sometimes we have that feeling that, Oh, yeah, what are people are going to think? Are they going to judge me? Are they going to do that? Yeah, I'm not smart. Yeah. Exactly. And, and look, nothing. I've, I've helped a mm-hmm. lot of people with a lot of different stories. And some of them are really mm-hmm. difficult stories. And, and I always say, look, you don't have to tell that story. Mm-hmm. But the emotion that you're sharing during this is important. 
You can mm-hmm. share another story, but as long as you're transparent with that and say, hey, look, I went through X. And when I went through mm-hmm. X, it took me down. And, and I faced, mm-hmm. you know, I, I faced a horrible moment in my life. And I got up again. Mm-hmm. Um, making sure that you're truthful because we're smart. Mm-hmm. You know, people are smart. Mm-hmm. How many times have you sat in the audience? And you guys who are watching, how many times have you sat in an audience and listened to a speaker or a politician and you're kind of like, Mm. Mm-hmm. No, mm-hmm. no, I'm really, really truthful. Mm, I don't believe you. There needs yeah. to be truth there. There needs to be vulnerability. There needs to be um, integrity in your story. Mm-hmm. Because only then will your audience actually believe you and trust you. And if they trust you, then they're going to be open mm-hmm. to what you're going to offer them to help them. Now, what happens, James, when you share a story, it's a truthful story, but people don't like your topic or don't like what you're saying or don't like, and they judge you or judge that performance mm-hmm. based on the fact that they don't like or they are not in agreement with what you have. So how do you deal with that or what do you do with it? You know, Grant Cardone used to say, because uh, he talked about haters, right? They sound like haters to me. Uh-huh. Um, Yeah. It just plants more trees. Like, like <laughs> okay. I don't really pay attention to it. You know, it's like okay. wh- my first question is why would they be doing that? Why would they yeah. why would they hate on something? Uh, it's more an indication of who they are than who you are. If you're being truthful and telling yeah. a story and somebody then, you know, comes up and rips you apart mm-hmm. for it. My first question mm-hmm. is, well, why are you doing that? You know, why yeah, are you exactly. why are you attacking? Like what you know, what's the deal? Mm. Um, I don't, I don't pay attention to it and I find the right audience, you know, they're not the right audience. Yeah. I, I love that. You know, I, I was reading the news, uh, the other day about someone it just reminded me he was sing, he was playing an instrument. He was a, a very famous violinist and he was in a train station. He was playing one of the most complicated plays or, or pieces that, Um, of his career. And he was, of course, uh, dressed like, you know, a regular person. Mm-hmm. And he probably collected like 20 bucks in that hour and a half or two hours that he was performing mm-hmm. at that train station. But he is actually a really famous musician that sold out his entire theater when he was playing, yeah. where tickets were like I under no, no less Yeah, exact that story. And you just said that, you know, play where where your audience is. Like he was in the wrong place. Yeah. Look, or, or, Now, or, how, how do you know well, that? Here's the thing, you know, uh, somebody told me last week, because um, we were talking about award shows and all this stuff. Like, you know, I, I mean, I, I have them. Who cares? That mm-hmm. when you look at all of these things and the judgment, and I have a very good friend, I talk about it in my book. Um, He, he passed away, was, became a good friend, who was a theater critic. And after we retired, we ended up mm-hmm. doing shows together. And I asked him one time, I said, okay. why is it that when critics write the reviews, they say, this show is this way, or this movie is this way, rather than saying, in my opinion, this show is yeah. this way, and let the audience decide. And his response was, James, we can't do that because the audience is not smart enough to make up their own minds. That's what wow. he said. And I, I looked at him and I said, what? He goes, it's true. So the viewpoint is a very myopic, a very small viewpoint. And it's not everybody. 
So Mm -hmm. the idea of the award shows, like what's an award? It's an accolade. Sure. Yeah. You get an award, but it's other people voting Mm -hmm. on whether or not they think you're good Mm -hmm. against somebody else. So the person I was speaking to said, I don't create that. I don't create for the award shows. I create for the people, create for the people. Mm -hmm. And the product of that person certainly proves that what they're doing was correct. So, Mm -hmm. um, it's not even about like art to me isn't a wait. When we start thinking about money, I actually think money is very Mm -hmm. low on the, the happiness thing. You know, if you're going to create for money, then you're creating for the wrong reason in business, in whatever, Mm -hmm. if you're going to create, to create an impact, right? Like, you know, do you think Steve Jobs thought that he would cr- have created an, this billion-dollar product, right? Even Elon Musk spent all mm-hmm. of his money to create a product because he believed in the vision of what it would do, mm-hmm. the change that Tesla would do in SpaceX and, and um, all that kind of stuff. So I truly believe that if you create for the people and you create what you feel in, in, in you is what needs to be created, then you'll find it. There's easy ways to do it. You can survey, you can do all of those things, you know, and and there's validity to that. If you're, if you're going to create a donut shop, you know, and you want to sell jelly donuts and you just go, I'm creating a jelly donut shop and you open it up and nobody's buying the jelly donuts. You're like, and you like for months and you're losing money and you finally ask the people like, why aren't you buying the jelly donuts? It's like, oh, everybody in this town's allergic to jelly. Oh my God. So you've just built a business without having the data. Mm. Of course, nobody's going to buy them there. Or they don't even know you exist. So you can go out and survey and yeah. say, what kind of music do you like? You know, like mm-hmm. Joshua Bell playing in the subway, you know, people are running around, running around, running around. It certainly changed the dynamic of that mm-hmm. environment, but whether or not people drop money into the, into his violin case, mm-hmm. I don't think was the important part. I think is what effect did he have, you know? Uh, exactly. And, and I think that's, yes. Yeah, so, so, so good to know not only what you want to create but like you said considering what's what's the other person needs or what what is that you're solving what yeah. is the the problem what is the solution what and how do you get that message and um thank you for sharing those three s- steps of communication yeah. and, and i think that for the one of my my questions how long it took you to get to that point james where critics or you know the the teflon scheme that you, you talk about you know how yeah. did you develop that were you that way since the beginning no. and always no, no, no. no i was very susceptible to opinions and look no matter what happens in life no matter where i am you know mm-hmm. negative things still impinge right mm-hmm. um but i looked at it I remember it was 2001 I was doing a show called Jane Eyre on Broadway and the show did not get great reviews. And the New York Times art section is an entire section of the New York Times. And I got on the subway and my hair was about as long as it is now. And I had very distinct mutton chops in the show. Like they look like mm-hmm. it was very recognizable. <laughs> and there was only two people on the subway. It was me and this guy. And he was reading the New York Times art section. I'm going to hold up this picture. So he's reading the New York Times like this, right? And you're me across from him uh-huh. and it wasn't a great review right and he goes like this <laughs> right and i was like oh crap he was reading the review cool. and i was like and that's the yeah. thing that hit me what 
yeah. I didn't take were the fact that there were other amazing reviews. I took that one review and was like, ah, but yeah. all these other reviews were great. Yeah. So that yeah. was an eye-opening experience for me because you, you sort mm -hmm. of can't hide when you're in the public eye. You can't hide. People can take pot shots at you. They can say whatever they want. Mm -hmm. They can hide behind some handle like John Smith two five underscore X. You know, <laughs> and, and it, there, there's protection. Yeah. They shoot at you from afar. Um, yeah. So after a while, I just started learning about myself, and I learned that you know, why people did that? Like, what's the purpose of doing that? Well, if someone tries to diminish you, it's only really to try to make themselves feel better. Because if I push you yeah. down, then that makes me feel like I'm justified. So yeah. it, it is a hard thing. And it's something that, um, that, uh, that people deal with on a continual basis and something that I try to help people with in terms of their outlook. Mm -hmm. um, because really, what is an opinion? It's, it's just someone's viewpoint oftentimes based mm -hmm. upon information, whether valid or not valid, but does it really matter in your, like yeah. if, if you have a dream to mm -hmm. do X, you know, or if you're in love with your spouse and someone comes mm -hmm. in and says, I don't like his hair color. Is that going to really <laughs> change? Like what? Who cares? <laughs> <Yeah>. You know, <laughs> you know who you are and that's the important thing. You know, I, I love it. That, that, thank you for that yeah. advice, James. Now I'm going to ask you the last three questions that I always ask everyone. Yeah, sure. Number one, is there anything that I did not ask you that you'd love to answer or anything that you want to share, you know, with, with the audience that we didn't talk about? I love gorillas. You love gorillas. I just love animals. <laughs> I'm a dog freak. No, there, there's nothing. You are? Okay. Now, what's your favorite piece of technology then? Oh my gosh. I think AI is becoming super dangerous. Yeah. Uh, Talk about that. Uh, yeah. You know, I don't know. Like I, I, I got into the, you know, chat GPT and I started asking it questions uh -huh. and it was basically saying, you know, uh -huh. I am not a, a self-perpetuating whatever, you know, I can't make opinions. I'm like, well, why can't uh -huh. you make opinions? You know, you're, you're sharing information for me. And I started asking you questions and I caught it in a loop where it was basically uh -huh. saying that, uh, you know, that, that even though I can't make opinions, this is what I think. And I'm like, but I thought you hmm. said you couldn't think, well, you're correct. I can't think, but this is my thought or, you know, this is, this is my output. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I don't know where it's going to go. I think it's useful, but it's also a little sketchy sometime. Um, mm -hmm. because you know, with uh, deep fake and voice manipulation, yeah. you can mm -hmm. sort of create anything you want. Um, oh, absolutely. I think mm -hmm. technology, I like, I mean, technology is always growing. You know, we didn't have these when I was a kid, you know, we had mm -hmm. the dial phones and black and white televisions. Mm -hmm. So, um, and when my dad was born, they had uh, no television. And when my grandmother was born, no. there was no telephone. So uh, in just a short time, we've expanded. So I think yeah. I'm most excited about what Elon Musk is doing in forest technology in terms of, you know, going out and exploring. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, last question, yeah. James, is do you have, and you just showed me your phone. I want you to take that phone and tell me three things you are most grateful for that. For this phone? phone. Mm -hmm. I hate it. You hate what? Yeah. I'm like an off the grid kind of guy. Like, 
Come on. Um, like if I could, uh, if I could, you know, like if there was an electromagnetic pulse and it just took out all the electricity, you know, <laughs> I'd be like, wow, we're okay. living on a farm raising some cows. And that'd be awesome. Um, I think the ability to contact and stay in, in, in contact with my family, you know, uh, yeah. family that don't live near me. Um, I love yeah. that ability. Um, I, I'm an avid photographer. So uh, yeah, instead of carrying around my big Canon cameras, I can carry this around and shoot film with it, which is also awesome. Um, mm -hmm. And I like the ability uh, to be able to instantly, and I, you know, this is a push me, pull you. I like it, but I don't like it. To be able to go, hey world, you know, here's mm -hmm. something to think of that might help you have a happier life mm -hmm. and put it out there. Yeah. That's what I like about mm -hmm. it. Um, I don't like that people are tied to them. I don't like when we can't talk and you know, yeah. you're sitting at a table and everybody's doing this instead of talking. Oh, of course. Mm -hmm. Those are my three things and a half. I love, I love them. I, I think, you know, very valuable, all of them. And if I don't have my phone, I will be lost in Ohio. I can assure you that my GPS, it's my friend for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much, James. I love uh, having you in the show and we're going to put the notes it um you know is there anything that you want to say to close our episode hey look if you and guys you know i don't sell anything like i'm not a guy that's selling anything other than helping you potentially inspiring mm -hmm. you through through art and also inspiring you to uh to reach your potential so my social media mm -hmm. is all the same thing it's at james barber now on every platform and if you want updates, you can go to jamesbarber.com forward slash newsletter. It's totally free. And you'll get updates on all kinds of cool stuff. And uh, it's just a way to stay in contact. So that's it. Thank you, Sandra, for having me. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And we'll see you in the next episode. Bye for now. Ciao, ciao. Thank you for listening. I'm so grateful for you today. So if you enjoyed this episode, please tag me in social media at way to protect Again, it's way number two protect. And let me know if this episode has helped you. I would love to hear from you. And if you like to know more about me, check out my resources at my website, sandraestock.com. And remember, be intentional, be aware, and be mindful. Be I am. Yeah, I am now. <laughs>